1: He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
2: That storm is upon us. The debt market, the reports are saying, has become unstable in the United States. What does that mean? When the debt market becomes unstable, it means soon the stock market will crash. Many are saying to two or 3,000, we're in deep trouble. Everything we're seeing around us is inflation. But none of these are the real storm that's coming. We haven't seen anything yet, but we will very quickly. A wave of death is about to pass over America. It has already begun. We will see luminaries dying. The idols of America will fall. And you will be left standing. I remember many years ago, I was in college. Greek was not an easy subject for me. I had to take some 13 hours of collegiate Greek study in preparation for seminary. I was a senior... I had one exam left in Greek. I had to pass that Greek with a good grade. I had been offered a free scholarship to seminary, scholarship for tuition and books, and also to cover all living expenses. I desperately needed that scholarship. But in order to have that scholarship, I would have to pass this Greek exam. Now, I was at that point already in the reserve as a naval chaplain. I could not become a chaplain until I had graduated from seminary. So my naval chaplaincy future was hanging in the balance. My my money for tuition and living expenses and my scholarship was hanging on the balance. Everything else in college was covered. The only thing I feared now was my Greek exam. And the final Greek exam would be given with a passage of Scripture, and I had to translate that Scripture directly from the Greek New Testament Bible. I didn't know if I could do it. So I'm studying and there comes a knock and friends are saying, Ray, come on, we're going to go out and grab some pizza. Why don't you come with us? I would love to have gone and gotten pizza, but do you think I left my Greek study to go get pizza that night? Absolutely not. What was pizza stacked up against a scholarship of thousands of dollars? What was, a, what was a pizza stacked up against becoming a naval chaplain? What was important? Well, there was only one thing that was important to me, and that was passing that Greek exam. If I didn't pass the Greek exam, I would be taken into the service as a private and sent to Vietnam. I much preferred to go as a lieutenant in the United States Navy. Everything was on the line. My future was on the line. Was I going to go get pizza when my future was on the line? No. No amount of cajoling, no amount of tempting could convince me to go with them, sit and relax and talk and laugh and eat a pizza. And yet that's where we are today. Everything is on the line in your life. Everything is on the line. We are soon to stand before the judgment bar of God. Now, if you believe things that tell you that when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see you, he just sees his own righteousness, and you are fine and good to go even though you run out and get your pizza, you are desperately mistaken. When you go before the judgment bar of God, God is going to see you exactly as you are. Nowhere in scripture is holiness spoken of as a future event. It is only a present event. Now, I've been very troubled by this issue over the last days. I have spoken much in recent days about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. You see, there are only two trees that we can eat from in this world. We can eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Or should I say, good or evil. Or we can eat from the tree of life. If you're "'Eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, "'then you are easily distracted from your eternal salvation. "'You will not see your true condition. "'You will feast on the things that give you satisfaction now in this world. "'You will spend your time and your money in your wonderful life in America.'" But soon, this wonderful life in America will disappear before your eyes. And then what are you going to do as you face the judgment of God? As you face the wrath of God? What are you going to do? Imagine that I had gone to take that Greek exam and failed it. And had to say it was because I frittered away my time with friends eating a pizza pie. Is there anything wrong with pizza? No, absolutely no. But at certain times, there is something dreadfully wrong with it. When my whole value system is upside down and what I value most is feeding my stomach. That's why Paul said, for most, their, their God is their stomach, because that's what takes their time and attention. So this morning, as I came before the Lord, he began to speak to me about Hebrews. And I immediately turned to Hebrews 1 and began to read, asking him to unveil for me what he was saying to me. This didn't begin just this morning. It began in the hours of the night as I couldn't sleep but lay awake, struggling and agonizing before the Lord, recognizing that I have been distracted from the gospel. that my attention is often drawn away to other things. And I don't hold in my mind the consciousness that I'm on my way to the judgment bar of God. It's necessary that we live in our inner being with the consciousness that every thought and every attitude, every action is being weighed before the throne of God and will bring us to the judgment bar of God. We're told in the book of Hebrews that the word of God Well, let me read it for you. This is Hebrews, the fourth chapter. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Don't tell me that Jesus covers you and God doesn't see you. The word of God says he's looking directly and dividing bone from marrow. He is examining your motives. He is looking at everything you choose to do or say, everything you Hide in your inner motives, and those will determine how you deal on that great judgment day. Now, we find in Hebrews, the first chapter, a a beautiful description of who Jesus is and what his work was. And we find, I'll read it for you. Verse 3, the son of the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. God has provided through Jesus Christ purification right now in your life from all sin. Now, do you believe that? Or do you make excuses and continue to walk in your sin? That will go with you to the judgment bar of God. All will appear before God. Now notice, I read through chapter 1 and I came to chapter 2. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. The sense in the Greek is of a boat that is coming to a mooring, and I've done it many times on a sailboat. I've stood in the bow with a, with a grappling hook or with a, with a catcher. To catch the rope for the mooring. He's saying it's within reach. You can reach it. You can moor your boat safely before the coming storm. But he's saying we must be more careful, pay more careful attention, therefore, that we have what we have heard, so that we do not drift past where we can no longer reach the mooring for the boat so the storm will come upon us and we will not be safely put in the harbor but we will be adrift in the world he's saying pay much more careful attention to what you've heard so that you don't drift past your mooring point who is jesus christ For the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and the gift of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Now I want to move forward in this chapter. Verse 11. Both the one who makes men holy and who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. If you have not been made holy, I'm not talking about A false holiness. I'm talking about real holiness, where you have left your sin, where you're walking clean before God. You're now walking clean of sin. All known sin has been put away. All bitterness of heart has been removed. All offenses have been forgiven. No more lying, cheating, stealing, no more fornicating, no more pornography. You're clean. Your heart is filled with love and compassion for others. You are a man of peace. You're a woman of peace. You are merciful and kind and long-suffering. You are like Jesus. Notice what he says. Chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He is faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. And then we come to verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, when your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation and I said their hearts are always going astray. And they've not known my way. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now, please hear me. There is only rest in Jesus Christ, who is the tree of life. Now, let me make that very practical for you. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is both good and evil. And so you can be distracted by every different kind of thing in this world. You can give all of your attention to your entertainment, your money, your lifestyle, your family, all good things. But if all of those things take your attention away from Jesus Christ, you have neglected the great salvation that Jesus Christ wants to give to you. So think about this week. So far this week, where have your thoughts been? Have your thoughts been on your car? Have your thoughts been on on your entertainment? Have your thoughts been just on your work? Do you go to work as a place of ministry, a place to win those who are there to Jesus Christ? Or do you think of your work as a place where you go to make money so that you can provide for your lifestyle? Work is not to provide money for your lifestyle. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you no, please hear me. I don't know how to even put this into words for you. I'm I am frankly at a loss for words. There is a place so incredibly wonderful that the Lord wants us to enter into. And yet I know of only a small handful of people who have ever entered into this place of glorious wonder, of being free from all sin, of walking clean in Jesus, of being utterly sold out to Jesus Christ, having been crucified with him, having been resurrected with him, now walking sold out for the kingdom of Jesus Christ and not the kingdom of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why is it so important to me that we talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Because that's the whole world. That's the whole devil's deal. You think he won't use something good to distract you and take you away from the reading of scripture, from fasting, from prayer? Of course he will. He'll do whatever he can to distract you with with candy. He'll do whatever he can to distract you with innocent, apparently innocent things of this world that in themselves may be very innocent. But they have distracted you from from the man, Jesus Christ, and he's no longer central in your heart, in your thoughts, in your feelings. You go for many days. You are totally devoid of any seeking, earnest seeking after Jesus. Your prayer life is dull and numb, not given to earnest searching after Jesus. You know, I've, I've been a pastor for many years. Except for one or two occasions, I've never heard Christians really pray. I don't hear Christians in America pray. Why? Because most Christians will not pray unless they have to pray. I can tell you this. The storm is coming and the judgment day is fast approaching and we are going to be in a place in America where we are stunned by what we see and what we hear. And in desperation we will finally begin to pray. But for most, it will be too late because you will be so diswrought by the lack of food and shelter, by the lack of air conditioning and heating, by the lack of all that you have had to build your wonderful American lifestyle. You will be depressed and discouraged and hopeless and dive into despondency. Or you'll be angry and bitter and hostile and blame God. I want to say to you, the children of israel the lord said their hearts were always going astray why were they going astray because they were walking in a desert wilderness they saw the presence of god with them but they did not have they did not have the mcdonalds they didn't have the fast foods they didn't have the desserts they didn't have they didn't have the food they wanted They were tired of manna. They were tired of Jesus. He is the manna. And so they were distracted. And they would not enter into Jesus Christ in the desert. He says, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That word hardened in the Greek means to be rendered stubborn. That is to go through so many experiences that those experiences make you harder and harder until finally in bitterness. You say, if it's going to be, it's up to me. I've got to do it because nobody's going to help me. Nobody's going to help me do what I need to do. Jesus is not here. I'm going to just go do what a man has to do. Rendered. Rendered hard and stubborn. Today, This is Hebrews 3, verse 15. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? With whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned? Whose bodies fell in the desert? To whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest? If not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they are not able to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For if we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter the rest just as God has said. Verse 11. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their examples of disobedience. It says, make every effort to enter into that rest. What would that mean? It would mean not going out for the pizza. In my illustration shared earlier. It would mean keeping my focus on reading the scriptures, on praying, On giving. I want to share just something quickly out of yesterday's broadcast. My brother Alex at the very end left a note Old covenant, 10%. New covenant, 100%. Well, I know Alex to be a giver. A very generous man with Jesus in the work of the gospel, but let me share what I've seen through the years. Many Christians say, We don't need to tithe because everything we have belongs to Jesus. And what I've noticed is that normally the people who say that everything I have belongs to Jesus. Are often the stingiest with Jesus and with the work of the gospel and with the church. It's the ones who regularly tithe and give offerings that are far ahead of those who say, Oh, it all belongs to Jesus. We can be deceived in so many different ways. I've never really seen God's people repent. Have you? Have you repented before God? Or have you believed the lie that you can continue in your sin and still be saved and everything's going to be fine? Jesus at the very end of the book of Revelation This is after he's given John the full revelation. Chapter 22. He wraps up with some final thoughts. Chapter 22, verse 10. Then he told me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right, and let him who is holy continue to be holy. Jesus didn't know anything about imputed righteousness. That's a fable made up by modern men to excuse their wickedness so they don't have to be crucified with Christ. He says, Behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. That's, that's the risen Christ saying that. That's not Pastor Ray Greenlee saying it. That's Jesus saying it. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Are you going to continue to do wrong in heaven? No, you won't be in heaven. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. In other words, my dad used to say to me, and I didn't understand, but I do today. He would say, Raymond, your last day on earth and your first day in heaven, you will be the same person. Oh, you'll have a new body. Everything will be changed. But you, in terms of character, will be the same person you were the last day you were on earth. You must be holy now. Then he says, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, or literally outside are the scavengers, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. they're outside. They're not brought in. I've been very troubled by this study of Hebrews because I recognize how easy it is to be self-righteous. How easy it is to say, you know, I wish those people would get their act together. I wish those people would understand that they have to leave their sin. No, I have to have left all of my sin. All of my anger, all of my bitterness, it's gone. In the name of Jesus, it's gone. Now, I have to be very careful that I am not distracted by things that are good in this world. And there are many good things in this world. There's nothing wrong There's nothing wrong with much of what we find in this world except that underneath it there's an underbelly of uncleanness because we always go to excess. I'm going to play some game. Oh, not just once. I'll play it every day. Three or four times a week. I'm going to be consumed by... Disc golf or by some other game. Is there anything wrong with jogging? No, but then I have to buy the jogging pants and the jogging top and then I have to go jog every day and then I have to go to the marathons and then I have to do this and I have to do that and slowly it takes over my life, my thinking, my my process and and my health. It takes over everything and all I can think about is what's the next thing I have to do to improve my health because I want to live long. Good things. Diet is very important. No sugar is very important. Fasting is very important. But you know what's more important than anything else? Not neglecting my great salvation in Jesus Christ. Not being consumed with that sport that I enjoy. Whether it's kayaking or biking or whatever it is. Don't be consumed by anything Be consumed by Jesus Christ. Be consumed by your thoughts and your desires to be one with Jesus and ask him to penetrate you, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Let it judge your thoughts. Let it judge your attitudes of heart. Nothing in creation is hidden from God. Everything is laid bare in your heart before Almighty God right now. Do you understand? Have you been neglecting your salvation in Jesus Christ? Have you been eating from what is good and neglecting Jesus Christ? Part of what has grown intensely in my heart through the years is how much time and energy it takes to know the way and the will of God. How much time and energy and money it takes to be able to focus totally on Jesus Christ. It means sometimes I don't do things with friends. It means sometimes I don't give myself wholly to anyone because I'm wanting Jesus. Sometimes, sometimes, it means I have to focus my heart and my mind on where i'm going and why i'm going there and so i would ask you the question today where are you from and my answer to you for where i'm from i am from the city of destruction well why are you leaving the city of destruction because it is going to be burned and all who live there will be consumed and burned well where are you going pastor ray I'm going to the celestial city. And I've had to go down in the valley of humiliation. I've gotten off the path and I've fallen into the giant's dungeon of despair. And then I've remembered the promises of God and they have released me from the dungeon of despair. And I have gone on to walk on the narrow path. I have been punished at times by God for being deceived and getting off that narrow path. But please hear me when I say this to you. I have no higher goal than to walk that narrow path to the celestial city and to take as many of you with me as I possibly can. I have a sticky note on my monitor and it says, I am on this broadcast for only one purpose. To secure the salvation of your soul. So I'm on this journey. And for that reason, there are many things I can't do that other people can seem to do. I can't go places they can go. I can't do things they can do because I have a single-minded focus on the celestial city to be with Jesus. That's what I want. I want Jesus. I want to be absolutely in every respect made holy. I want no darkness in my heart or in my life. I want no turning to the left or to the right away from Jesus Christ. I want nothing to do with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to feast constantly on the tree of life. Jesus said, my body is broken for you. It is real food. My blood is spilled for you. It is real drink. I want to feast on the broken body of Jesus. I want to feast on the spilled blood of Jesus. Now, that's not cannibalism, it's spiritual. It's focusing my time and my attention on the scriptures, on fasting, on prayer and doing the work that Jesus has called me to do. I'm not a free agent. I, I cannot go just wherever I think I might want to go. I can't live wherever I think I might want to live. I've been assigned a place. I've taken that place. Some of you wander around like sheep, lost, no shepherd. A day is coming when the wolves will come. In fact, they're already here. And you will be their food without a shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. You need also to be a part of a church Where there is a shepherd you can trust, an under shepherd, where you can walk together, where you can be filled with his spirit, where you can be taught the ways of God. My brother, my sister, there is a place of rest that we are invited to enter. And that place of rest is the heart of God. Sin cannot enter the heart of God. Sinners cannot enter the heart of God. The unclean cannot enter the heart of God. Every ounce of our energy must be expended Seeking the face of Jesus Christ. Just to live a normal American life is to live in wickedness and sin, self indulgence, selfishness, to live unconsciously lost. I'm desperately concerned about you. If you think you have some teaching that gives you some comfort that Jesus just is going to bypass all of your sin, you don't know the scriptures. You've been deceived by modern liars. You're going to have to deal with your sin either now or Or at the judgment bar of God. The light-hearted foolishness, the joking, the coarse joking, is going to have to go. And you're going to have to become a person who understands the times. And who is willing to stand though the heavens fall. Utterly disapproved of by the modern culture scorned by the modern culture. I watched a video this last week of what happened in Washington, D.C. on the Gay Pride Day. It was, to be honest, a sight to be seen. An interviewer approached a young woman dressed hilariously and scantily. And the question she asked was, what are you? Are you a man or are you a woman? And this young girl answered, no, I'm not a man and I'm not a woman. Well, what are you? I'm an it. Well, who are you sexually attracted to? She said, I'm attracted to anything that's flesh. I have no particular preference, whoever turns me on. And then she said one of the most astounding things I am it. And the interviewer said, What? I am it. I am free to do whatever I want to do and to go wherever I want to go. I can be me. I am it. She might as well have said, I'm God. Now, many of you have not gone to this extreme, but if you were pressed hard, you would finally have to admit that, yes, you go where you want to go and you do what you want to do because you are it. Oh, you call yourself a Christian, but you're still in charge of your life, and you go where you please, and you do what you please, and you're spending your money as you please. You're saying what you want to say. You're mad when you want to be mad. You're it. That's what Satan said. I want to be free of God. I'm going to tear off his bonds. I'm going to be it. I'm not content with God being it. I'm going to be it. And the whole tenor of every interview that I watched was, we are finally free to be the very best we can be, to be whatever we want to be. And all of these young children who are here watching all of this, it's good for them because at a young age, they're now being set free to be whatever they want to be. I didn't hear one person say they're now free to be what God wants them to be. Well, we're out of time for this broadcast. But I am desperately concerned for me and you and every Christian in America. For we have been deceived by our modern culture and the modern teaching of the apostate church. There is a place that we're being called to that is deeper and broader and more wonderful than anything we've ever imagined possible. It is a place of rest and peace in Jesus Christ. It is a place of holiness and righteousness. It is a place where sin does not exist, either around us or in us. I urge you today, do whatever you have to do change your schedule, change your giving habits, change whatever is necessary. Repent before Jesus for your American attitudes and seek his face with your whole heart. Almighty God, I seek your face with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all that I am. Lord, I thank you for this time we've shared together. I pray that every person who has listened will be stirred to their depth to seek after you earnestly, eagerly, letting nothing distract them in time, in money, in energy, that everything will be given to seeking after you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I'd love to hear from you. I thank you, Joanne and Rodney, Dirk, and others. I thank you. Write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, two. One nine five, or go to our webpage nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com You're welcome to give online. We're almost halfway through this month and we're not halfway there financially. But I'm trusting Jesus and I'm looking for His move of power to provide. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel.